Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It's showtime. 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 It's showtime. Showtime! And now, here is your host, Warwick Merry. Welcome back to another episode of Taking Care of Business. I'm your host, Warwick Merry. Now today, we're going to be taking care of business. That's right, we're going to head back to the radio. Uh, as my listeners will know that I frequently visit Taking Care of Business in the studio at Audible PFM. And the host, Jackie Mitchell, has me on to chat about different things. This episode, we're talking about cash flow. And cash flow is king. So joining me in the studio are Uva Jacobs and Shannon Smith, uh, who are both well-versed in finance. It's a great conversation. We cover some of the very basics, but also some of the forward-thinking elements that you need to take into account. In particular, I'm a huge fan of Uva Jacobs' three pieces of toilet paper theory. It's not too gross. It's an excellent theory. Have a listen. Check it out. Hope you enjoy. I look forward to hearing your feedback on the Facebook page. Hello and welcome to Taking Care of Business. I'm Jackie Mitchell. Wherever in the world you are listening from, welcome to the show. This show covers many topics that affect the world of business. We have information that is useful for all businesses, big, medium and small. But today we're going to talk to the small business owner. So if you're a small business owner, listen carefully. If you know one, then there'll be a podcast and they're not listening. There'll be a podcast on the website as well. But this is just for the small business owner. It's one topic that is always a popular question in managing your business and it is cash flow. Is it still king? We have a panel of experts today who are going to help us explore every nook and cranny on this Finance Friday. Today's show is made possible by our savvy friends at EView Real Estate. Firstly, I am ably assisted in this very interesting and and often intricate topic. Uh, It's the voice of God, MC extraordinaire and general business seer, Warwick Mary. That is, I just love the titles I get on this show. <laughs> no, I make every up new every ones. time I come on, there's a bigger and better. It's like, oh, if I could believe my own press, someone tell my mum how good I am. Yeah, well, I like to you know I like to create new Fantastic. ones, but they're all sort of relevant. They are. They you know, are. like I don't say gardening expert or anything. No, and please not... don't, because you know my brother-in-law actually doesn't give us plants anymore. He just gives us a dead stick in a pot, cuts out the middleman. Oh, because we're going to kill it any, anyway. Okay, so, it's like yeah. that. You know, they say about uh, don't get married, just. Give your girlfriend your house or something. You never heard yeah, of something? no, I've been married twice now. It's, I don't recommend giving your house away. Uh, anyway, so uh, good to have you here. Lovely to be here. Uh, and cash flow is a topic that you're always quite interested in, oh, aren't you? Look, I, I scarily hide in my background that I'm a qualified accountant, a qualified not practising. Mm. And so, look, knowing the numbers is so important and cash flow is just one element of it. Uh, but, yeah, it is – without it, how can you run your business? Yeah, and this is this is where you have uh, many strings to your bow. You mm. are actually a qualified accountant, mm. which actually gives you much more credentials. I'm the I'm the least credentialed here today, because I'd have no finance training except for just basic stuff about running a business. So I thought today I'm going to be the client and I'm going to ask my panel of experts lots of questions because I hate doing the numbers, hate it. That's a really interesting thing. So many people sort of go, I hate doing the numbers, I'll just give it to the bookkeeper or the accountant so that's not something I'm going to worry about. And that is so, I'm trying to think of a softer word but I can't, irresponsible. As a business owner, you must know 
what your business is doing. Otherwise, you could be setting yourself broke with every day of trade yep. and not know it. Yeah, I agree. I hate the numbers, but I make myself each quarter. I do my best. At the end of each month, I have a look at the numbers. Yep. And it does, it makes you, it, it's, uh, it keeps a, a track of how your business is going. And it's fantastic to look at and go, yeah. wow, look at all how good this is. Yeah. Or, oh, wow, here's an area I need to focus on. Yeah, so the, the super-duper detail I give to the accountant yeah. or financial advisor, but it's just you can just have a basic, yeah. you know. And there, look, let's face it, nothing's ever 100%. You can't love everything. No, no. So, I mean, you, you love running your business. You, you can't be good at everything either. I think it's about acknowledging that. Oh, for sure. Now, our next guest, we've got the panel of four. Well, I'm one, so I'm not really the panel. I'm like the client. You're you're the, one. The client and the panel of three. Yeah. Our first guest is a small business finance expert, author, and director of Property Friends, Uwe Jacob. Welcome to Taking Care of Business. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you in here. And uh, I'm looking forward to picking your your very clever brains about finance and cash flow. Uh, And tell us a little bit about your business, Uva. Like, where did you start? Have you always got an accounting background? How did you get into sort of the finance side of things? My background is uh, from big industrial uh, projects. Mm -hmm. I've played the corporate game for 25 years. Biggest job was $1.3 billion um, in 2000. The trains and trams that are running around in Melbourne was one of the projects that I did for four years of my life. Wow. And what was your role in that project? I was the commercial manager or commercial director. Mm -hmm. We used to form project teams of a technical person and what we called a commercial person. So the commercial person was looking after the finance, admin, HR and legal side of the business. Right. Hence my uh, background and good stead for what I'm doing now, property investment and financial assistance. Have you always been attracted to the financial area? Like, you know, when you're a kid at school, were you buying financial newspapers and magazines and reading those? Well, no. I, and I pick up uh, from a sentence that Warwick said before, I, I hated the numbers, mm. but as a uh, son of uh, the war generation parents, I got told, grow up, get a good education, work hard, and you'll be all right. And I chose, for one of the better words, the commercial administrative ar- arena, which meant that I had to get good with my numbers. Yeah, yeah. And so do you love it now, or do you feel it's more of a necessity as opposed to a passion? It's interesting, the more I do it, the more I love it, Mm -hmm. because I look at the outcomes. And I think if you have great outcomes, you like what you do, what you like, you get more into, and it's this self-regulating circuit. Okay, now this uh, book that you've written called The Seven Secrets of Highly Successful Property Investors, when did you write that? Ah, uh, look, it's been 10 years in the making. I finished it. <laughs> I always hear that with people writing books. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I finished it uh, about three years ago. Yeah. In fact, it, it changes about yearly. I keep on updating it. It really came from the feeling that too many people go into property investment with all eyes shut, mm. so to speak. Mm. There's a lot of things that should be considered beforehand. And that is all about strategy. And that's where we go back to cash flow and to cash flow in business. You've got to have the strategy right. You've got to have the plan before you can action it. 
So do you do a lot of work with small business in, in, uh, in your, what your business is called Property Friends? Do you find that it's mainly residential clients or do you have small business or business owners looking at property as, a, as an asset to help, you know, I suppose, fund or drive their business? That's an interesting question. It's about 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, one part of our clients is, like myself, busy uh, management staff that are building their career and instinctively know that they need to do something about their financial security to have another leg to stand on for the future. The other part are business owners Mm -hmm. that typically have three or more employees that, again, are busy building their business. And I'm a big believer in do what you're best in Mm -hmm. and outsource the rest. So those 50% that are businesses that have got those employees you talked about and they're looking at continually to invest in their business, are they using property to do that or how are they going about that? Property is really the second leg. Um, my mentor says build yourself five income sources. So that's just one asset class, one income source or asset class that um, it is said to be investing in. Mm. Now, there's many people that argue stocks, shares, whatever, property, horses for courses. Mm. I think it is really important to get the strategy right. And whenever you only run one strategy, one income source, you're putting yourself in danger. So the business owner that is completely reliant on business, on him or her to be able to perform... What happens if you get run over by the proverbial bus? Mm. If you are out of function, out of being able to run your business for, say, three months? Typically, especially with SME, with small to medium business owners, we are our business. Hence, if we are there, if we aren't there, who is doing it? And that loss of income, more often than not, is not thought about, is not planned for, and puts a lot of business into, into strife. I picked up earlier, uh, you said that you have a mentor. I'm always interested in people using mentors and or business coaches. How long have you had a mentor for? Uh, when did I see the light, so to speak? Um, when I was 18, 19. Okay. All of a sudden I figured out I wasn't the greatest man in the world. It's amazing how that happens today. <laughs> <laughs> Warwick says that all the time. Well, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, told I'm, not the, I'm told I'm not the greatest mind in the world frequently. And I'm a big believer in um, you're only as good as your team. What's the old saying? It's hard to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys. Turkeys, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, there are a lot of people that know a hell of a lot more than I do yeah. in their special area. I like to think I'm a specialist in property investing and yeah. I know a hell of a lot about our side. So you want to surround yourselves in my world with specialists, with a team that can support you. Yeah, I think that's a really good philosophy. And in my view, only in my view, I think it's an absolute sign of intelligence to be that self-awareness of what you can do and what your strengths are, but also what you can't do mm. and, uh, and that you never stop learning. Well, I love that. Yeah, I have coined I a that phrase too. that I claim the copyright for. What's I want that? to grow until I go. Oh, I like that. You need to get some T-shirts or stickers done with that. I really like that. Or that, actually, that could be the title of your next book. Have you got another book in you? 
there's plenty more where that came yeah. from. So if people are interested in looking at the seven secrets of highly successful property investors, where would they find that, Uva? Simplest way is to go to our website, www.propertyfriends.com.au. And there's there's a, a free report. There's a link there. Um, and, yeah, just register and you can get the free report. Anybody, look, for this show, for the people on this show, uh, I make the free offer to send them the entire book in ebook. Just register and we'll send it to you. Ah, how's that for an offer? We I love, love a freebie. It. I love a freebie. Uh, now, we need to just take a, a short break. So, Uva, uh, you'll uh, hang around for the rest of the show as part of our expert panel talking about cash flow. Love to. And when we come back on the other side of this break, we're going to meet our next guest, which is Shannon Smith from Smart Business Solutions. And she certainly is smart. And she's going to come from a bit of a different angle. And I'm looking forward to having a chat with her. Uh, you're listening to Taking Care of Business exclusively here on Ardell PFM. We are talking about cash flow and is it still king? And for many businesses, uh, they are the king of wishful thinking. That was Go West uh, from the 80s. I do like that song. And I know Warwick always teases me about my song selection. I was actually thinking that's a sensational song. I prefer their other one, We Close Our Eyes. I like but, that song too. You know, you can't close your eyes to the finances or you're out you, of control. Well, it's your earlier point. Well, You've got it. to understand the numbers no matter which part of your business that you're in. So we are joined here by our guest, Uva Jacobs. And, of course, you would have heard there the voice of God. That's it. If only we had an award-winning person to help shine the light on finance. <laughs> you always say that. Right, moving on. Uh, our next guest, our, our final guest today, which is uh, forming part of this wonderful uh, Brains Trust panel about cash flow and finance in your small business speci- specifically, has had a career which has spanned global firms in New York, Prague, Amsterdam and Melbourne before she settled back on the peninsula. We're lucky to have her here. She wanted to give local business owners access to an advisor with extensive global expertise without having to travel to the big smoke. Uh, She has been on the Australian Government's Board of Taxation Advisory Panel and uh, we'd like to welcome from Smart Business Solutions, welcome back, Shannon Smith. Thank you. Great to be here. Nice to have you back here again. Now, the work that you're doing for the Australian Government on the Board of Taxation Advisory, uh, it sounds big and impressive and stuff. Like, what is it? What do do you do with it? Um, So you've got the Board of Taxation that is actually, as you've probably heard a lot going on at the moment um, with the tax rules. And so what we're actually doing as an advisory panel is the the core board actually um, put that out and they, they call us, I guess, the top... 25 tax experts in Australia is what we're plastered as on the website. They actually put a lot of the ideas that are coming through and want our feedback on them. So one that I was involved in in a lot of detail um, a few years ago was with Bruce Bilson, the tax impediments for small business. Ah. So we're seeing a lot of what we did back then now coming in. So the increase in the definition of what's a small business that used to be up to turnover of $2 million. It's now ten million. That was one of the things that we did. So it was really exciting on on budget night to see something that we had been just talking about with Treasury, arguing with Treasury, and negotiating on actually become, you know, part of the law and knowing that you're making a big difference in a lot of small businesses. Yeah. So what are some of the other tax impediments that small business face? The one of the big ones that's really going to change um, coming forward, and it actually does link to cash flow. How many small businesses get to every quarter and go? <gasps> My budget, my bus. I've got yeah. to lodge my bus. Yeah, yeah. And they thought they were doing okay, profit-wise. They're fine. Cash was ticking on, and then every quarter, <gasps> bus. And then I've got my superannuation. So they're really looking at having this, you know, this one click 
um, one-click payroll, but also they, they're bringing in a simplified BAS. Now, we've been working on that for about two years. It's easier said than done when we're looking at it. And so what we've really challenged the government on is you're getting a lot of boxes filled out in your BAS. Do you really need it? What do you do with that information? Mm. And does the small business owner really have to do that? So in linking back with cash flow is trying to automate that. A lot of small businesses that employ people would see now they have auto super. It's compulsory. When they lodge their super, they have to pay the super. There's none of this outstanding, which is good for the employees as well, but it's about helping small business manage their cash flow and that is a cost of business and it does it does need to be paid in this quarterly instalments. It's interesting with the BAS because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I always do it. Uh, even though when I've had staff and people around me saying, I'll do it, I said, no, I make myself do it because I know that I have to. It's good for me. Uh, it's like a, it's like a bit of sort of self punishment. It's I like vitamins. You've got to have them even though you don't want them. Yeah, it's or like exercise. It's like putting petrol in the car. I hate doing that, but I have to do it right for the car to run. So I have the same mental process with that. But when I do my bass, and at the end of it, they go, "How long did it take you to do it?" I always like put 12 hours, even though it was like three, because I think to myself, is anyone paying any attention to that? Like, what are they doing with that information, which was your point earlier? Like, do you know what they do with that? Well, what we discovered in going through this is a lot of that information isn't used by anyone. Now, it wasn't that we could just had to look at what was happening was it, was it Treasury, the tax office, using that information? Because there are other government bodies that tap into a lot of this information. You know, you've got your Centrelink. And so all when we look at the tax returns or even with the BAS, we have to understand who needs that information. Is it being used by a different part of the government in their future planning? So we really challenged, I guess, the government on what they needed the information for. And so this new simplified BAS that's coming out, this is all they need. This is what they need. That's good news, isn't it? Now, Smart Business Solutions that you also run here in Mornington, you've yes. only got one office. Is it one office? In uh, we've actually um, we've just opened up an office in Singapore oh, because we're seeing yeah. a lot going on yeah. in Asia. Yeah. So that's actually only just been born three weeks ago. Okay, I, I thought there was a, a yes. little sniff around there yeah. was something else going on. So your, your client base is predominantly small business? Predominantly small business. Yeah. And then also the small to, I guess, getting up their medium-sized businesses. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because SME sort of – I use that term, it's lazy that I do that, so I acknowledge that I'm being lazy, but it annoys me because small business is very different from medium business and then within small business there's the micro business, so people mm. just one, maybe two people as opposed to, you know, 20 people. There are some differences. What sort of uh, trends or um, – things that, that you're seeing now with small business in regard to their finance? Are they are they getting better at it? Are they getting worse at it? What are some of the common problems that they're facing? Um, I guess probably what I said, and I, no one's going to ever love accounting as much as the accountant loves accounting. Yeah. We get very excited oh, about so it. Oh, so you love it. I love it. Love it, okay. I yeah, really get yeah, excited. Sure. I still have that, you know, that fist punch that the balance sheet's <laughs> all good. And, oh, how yeah. good is that? It, it is good. Oh, it is see, really but good. But that's what you want from your accountant, like, yeah. It's that whole, like, everything balances. Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. So so it's really – but and, and maybe the, the business, small business owner is never going to love accounting as much as I do. That's fine because they don't have to. But what they do need to do is understand their numbers enough so that they can make informed decisions. Now, if that's something that they need someone to help them with, mm-hmm. that's fine. But they need to take the time a little bit to understand those numbers so that they can make those informed decisions because what I see is the small business that takes that extra step to understand their numbers – they're growing and growing and growing. And I'm, I'm seeing a lot when you look at the economy 
um, locally but also around, you know, Victoria and Australia, you, you see people saying that, you know, life's tough at the moment in certain industries. And I look at some of my client base and go, that's funny. Those clients are, are really bucking the trend. Why? Because they're managing their numbers like what you said earlier, Jackie. They're not just looking at it when the accountant gives them to, the, to them six months after the fact. They're looking at it regularly mm-hmm. and you can actually then make and change decisions, you know, change your path if something's not working. And, and really react to it. So the businesses that are doing well are those that are actively looking at their finances enough to understand so they can make an informed decision. Okay, so let's go. Let's dig a little bit deeper into these numbers. So when, you know, we all mentioned uh, you need to get your head around the numbers and, and know the numbers. What tips could you give a small business as in what to look for. So you look at the numbers and you go, okay, I'm looking at the numbers, but they're just numbers. What am I actually looking for? Where should I spend attention and where should I drill down? One thing I really look is is trying to have a look at them, um, looking at what does it cost me to open the doors? What's my break-even point? And where's that extra piece coming? Now, when I say break-even point, you've got certain fixed costs. You've got your rent Mm -hmm. and you've got some of your full-time staff Mm -hmm. That's a fixed cost. Whether you sell anything or not, you're still going to be paying for it. So what are the costs to actually, in a sense, open the door? And where's that point? And maybe it's the point in each day where you flip to becoming profitable. And understanding what is it, whether it's the cost of the product, full full cost of the product, or the full cost of the service, to also understand, and I worked with a client, that we were able to drill down and really understand the cost of the product and the true cost of the product. In their mind, they had it also a lot higher. We were able to work with them to work out that actually they could discount the product potentially a bit uh, smaller for a wider audience and do some volume deals that actually resulted in higher profitability overall. So it's really understanding what does it cost us to either A, provide this service or B, to sell the product. Yeah, that's a really good place to start, isn't it? Do you advise particularly micro businesses? And I know that I've come across quite a few through my consulting work that don't pay themselves a wage uh, and they just continue to draw from the business. And so it's there's pros and cons with both. What would you advise a business? Yeah, I think whether they take the wage as far as um, for tax purposes, and maybe that's what the accountant will come in and say, okay, we'll take this wage and and this is going to be more tax effective. But taking that money from the business, there are some people that are working for next to nothing if they worked out their hourly rate based on their small business. There are others that their small business is really just producing a wage that they could have gone and got um, working for someone else. But there may be reasons why they want to keep with that small business. They're able to work maybe between school hours, they're able to work at certain times and it gives them flexibility and they love what they do and they're not reporting to someone. But you need to look at it's not just the profit coming through but am I getting rewarded from what I'm what I'm selling, the products I'm selling or am I being rewarded for the service I'm providing and making sure that you're actually considering that in how you're pricing your products or your services. Some industries, you're dictated at how the product pricing or the service. So you're dictated on what that, that maximum is going to be. So you need to look at then, should I be using some other technology? Are there other strategies to reduce my costs? to be able to create some of those efficiencies because that's what's going on. We still, everyone refers to that buzzword of the digital disruption, but that's that's real. Mm, it's happening, mm, you know, yeah, so. Right now. Uh, picking up your point, and I think that's a wonderful tip for small business owners particularly, 
is to figure out what your hourly rate is. So to actually incorporate your time as part of your expenses. Uh, I was having a discussion the other week with a small business owner. It's actually a friend of mine. It wasn't a business discussion, but we go always go into business discussions because of you know it's like being a doctor. And that's who you go, are. Yeah, well, that's it. Anyway, so he was sort of picking or picking each other's brains in a way, and uh, and he was talking about social media and about Instagram and he does it all and blah blah blah. And he said, oh, I don't know whether to get someone in or not. And I said, well, how many hours a week do you spend doing it? And he said, oh, probably five. I've gone, okay, so what's your hourly rate? Like, what does that cost? He goes, I hadn't thought of it like that before. So it's actually putting value on your time and adding that into into the mix. Is that a, is, is that a, a gap that you see quite regularly with small business, Shannon? Yeah, the, the small business owner is often trying to do it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes... I understand when you're first in your startup phase and you don't have that finance behind you, but sometimes you can actually make more money by you servicing your your customer or your client with what you're good at and getting someone who knows what they're doing, like yeah. you talked about the Instagram, yeah. getting that person in and, and then you're actually going to generate more income by doing that. By creating some efficiencies in your business, you can actually improve your profit. That's what people, they sort of think it's sort of hand to mouth. Improved profit means selling more. Well, if you actually create more efficiencies and you've got an extra three hours a week to do something else, then you could actually make more money. I can see Warwick Mary nodding like mad. Ultimately, what you want as a small business owner is you want to achieve more by doing less. Yeah. And so if you can get someone who are specialists in that areas, be it your employees, be it subcontractors, be it, you know, you're going to get them to do it like... Most business owners should not be doing their own accounts or should not be doing the annual end of year accounts at the very least because the amount of money you pay for an accountant or a bookkeeper to do it, you're going to get so much better returns because that's all they do. And Mm. so they know. So you want to understand your figures, but you want they're the experts. You're going to do that. In the same way, you know, unless you're a plumber yourself, you're not going to do your own plumbing because they've made all the mistakes, they know how to do it. So you want to achieve more by doing less. Yeah, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk some more tips about how to improve your cash flow, how to make the most money possible. So really maximising the, the, the oh, potential. I'm liking that. You're liking that? Is cash still king for small business? That was years and years. I do like that song, Warwick Mary. What Do you like that one? It's an interesting one. It's not one that I'm super familiar with. Oh, that's un- but unusual. But I'm loving the king, king theme. Oh, well, it's a king theme. Oh, thank you very much. It's good to be the king. It's good to be the king. Yeah, remember that movie with I Mel do. Brooks? History of the World Part 1. History of the World one. Part 1. They never did Part 2. No, no, but it was very good. Yeah, that, I like that. That was really funny. It was a very good scene. If you haven't seen that movie, Check highly, highly recommend it. Mel Brooks, it. very funny man. Very, very clever, man. very clever man. Uh, we're talking about, obviously, cash is king. Is it still king in small business? Here with our guests, Warwick Mary, also Uva Jacobs and Shannon Smith. Now, I'm going to actually ask each of the panel. This is now panel time, the next last half of the show. Is cash still king? Shannon Smith? Yes, it is. Cash is still king. I say more businesses struggle or fail because of lack of cash, not because of a lack of a great product, great service. And so sometimes it can even come down to that maybe they've got too much um, debt. You know, maybe they've got the cars that they're only being able to, from a profit and loss perspective, claim the interest, but they've got this money going out. So you get clients saying, you know, how can you say I'm profitable? I've got no cash. And they may have no cash because they're paying some of these bits, these payments. And the other one is also how they're structuring their, their debtor accounts receivable 
um, payments, money that is owed to them. You know, many small businesses would be surprised to know how much they're financing other businesses. Mm, yeah. That businesses owe them money and will pay it next week, next week, next week. Well, you know, you shouldn't be the bank for your customer or yeah, your yeah. client. Yeah, yeah. So it, I do believe cash is still king. If you if you don't have the cash, it's really going to um, restrict your business. Yeah, it's a little confusing now because it's almost a cashless society. Yeah, we're still saying cash is king, but we not many people use much cash anymore. Yes. It's mainly credit. Uh, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about credit and how we can actually use that more effectively. Uwe Jacobs, is cash still king in your world? Absolutely. To me, cash is like oxygen. You can go without it for a little while, but not for a long time. Mm. And to pick up on your point, and maybe we cover it later, cash can be in the form of credit. But be aware that as soon as you touch credit, you're on the long leash of the credit tour. And that can be a leash that pulls you back in. So cash gives the opportunity to pounce on situations when you want it. And in my view, it certainly is still king. Yeah. Warwick Mary, what's your view? Well, in business, Mm. cash is king. Mm. In life, it's not. In life, time is king. So it's very interesting, years and years. So it's got to be looking at what is it that you want to be doing? You know, is it something that you want to measure it by money or is it something that you just want to buy a block of land in the middle of nowhere and meditate for the rest of your life? Um, no amount of money is going to buy you that experience. So it is looking about how can I get the best use of my time? Money is a great way to measure that, uh, but... It's, it's really looking bigger picture. What am I doing this for? What am I running my business for? What am I committing my, myself and my family and my time and my life to? Um, but in terms of managing your business, you've got to have an eye on, on cash like because that's how you measure your success and also measure your ability to continue down that path. Because yeah, yeah. once you're out of cash, that's it. It's interesting, the time, because we talked about the hourly rate. So it's actually valuing your time. It really is. And we had this discussion off air about this relates to things like mowing your lawns. Mm. So if your hourly rate, like if you've worked hard all week, the last thing you want to do on the weekend is clean your house, mow your lawns, when for $40 or $50 or $100 you can get someone to clean your house or mow your lawns. So it's all about what do you value and what, what are your priorities. Yeah, and you've got to invest back into yourself. Because oh, sure. if you're tired or stressed, you're not going to be – performing at your at your optimum and and let's face it as a small medium business owner even when you're not at work you're at work Mm. something's going on in your head you're worrying about something else you're you know the number of conversations that i'll have with people and they're not there because they're thinking about something else that's going on so it really is about looking at how will i measure success Mm. and is that and that's going to be about what do i get to do with my time but financially is is a way that is typically how we we do measure success and cash and cash flow uh, is how we do that. Yeah, I think time is a really key thing. Uva, uh, just going back on your point earlier about credit, I want to talk about that now. Uh, what are some tips or some advice that you'd give for small business in managing their credit? Well, I have an old theory and it doesn't come from me. I stole it somewhere. I call <laughs> it the three sheet of toilet paper theory. I'm sorry, Uva. I'm loving Uva's theories, by the way. They're great. I'm just a bit concerned about where the the three sheet of toilet paper. Three sheet of toilet paper. All right, continue, please. I'll keep it clean. Just imagine you're going to the toilet and you only got three sheets. Right. Mm. You make do. You do. Well, that's how I look at uh, cash flow in business. I can only expense what I've got. And I... We've run our business for 13 years. 
never had a line of credit. And some people argue, well, didn't that hold you back? Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But certainly the company was always ours. We were in control. We didn't have any creditors that said, hmm, might bring that line of credit down a bit from 100,000 to 50,000. You go, oops, how the heck am I going to do that? Mm. So one of my suggestions, for better or for worse, is only expense, only buy what you can afford to buy. And especially in the beginning, start off small. I don't need a flash office. I don't need a flash car. I need turnover. I need profit. That's what I need. I like it. The three sheets of toilet paper. You and know, the number that, of- I'm never. That's now <laughs> that's tattooed on my in. brain. It's locked <laughs> in. It's locked in forever now. But the number of businesses that will spend money before they've earned it, yeah. like and put it on credit cards, which is like one of the worst things to do because that's twenty percent interest. And for some reason, people think credit cards is their own money. Um, but yeah, spending money before you've earned it, like going, I really need a great website. I'll spend twenty grand on a website, mm. and it's like. Start with the $500 one. Yeah. Um, just get a presence, but then start doing what you do to start bringing yeah, in the money. start a Facebook page. Yeah. Really interestingly, um, talking about profitability, mm. Uber, which everyone goes, oh, Uber's the digital disruptor. They're fantastic. They have made no profit. Mm. They are massively in debt. They are propped up by capital investment who are hoping it's going to take off. And there's other businesses that have these great reputations who make no money. So it's that whole... Revenue is vanity, profit is sanity. That's it's such an important thing to understand. It's not about the revenue coming in, but the actual profit that you've got. But it's about the strategy, and part of a strategy is an exit strategy. So those businesses that are not making money, and I know this, that their exit strategy is they're making themselves about reputation and brand yep. to be so attractive to be bought. Yes, so they're building a capital value exactly. that can be bought off. Yeah, exactly. It's another whole... That's another show. That's another show. That's another show. Time. Yes. Now, Shannon Smith, I'm interested, very interested always in your view of credit in business. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and as has already been discussed, I mean, credit can be good, but I think the analogy on the three, you know, three sheets of toilet paper is a great one mm. because at the end of the day, do you need that flashy office? Do you need that flashy car? But the credit can help you in some situations and that's where you need to look at your forward projections and you might be willing to get that credit to invest to take the business to the next level because you've established the business you don't need the fifty thousand dollar website as you just said we've had we've got the basic one let's just say we're into year two and actually we need that fifty thousand dollar website to take us to the next level Mm. now what i always look at what are the alternatives so we either invest and go and get the credit mm. for the 50000 What's that going to cost us? What's that going to cost us each month interest-wise but also cash? Because remember, you're paying more in the cash pay- repayments. But what are we going to get in, our, in return? What's our return on investment? Do we need the $50,000 website? Should we get the $20,000 website? Why do we need it? What are our alternatives? If we do nothing, what's going to happen to our revenue? Maybe it's not going to grow at all. So it's talking. It's really looking at what are also the alternatives. Why are we getting the funding? So not all debt is bad, but we need to know that we're doing it for a future investment. Yeah. There is going to be a return of investment. And doing it today is going to help us more than just saving that extra money up and not going into, into debt and buying it later. There's a, there's a driver for us to do it today. The market's moving 
quickly as we see now and maybe we need to make sure we stay ahead. Shannon, I'm really interested with the businesses that you work with when you're doing this, having this kind of discussion and they're looking at future cash flow. How many of the businesses have a conservative view on future cash flow versus others going, oh, it's going to be fantastic, we're going to make millions, this will pay back? Like, is there a tendency to be super optimistic about the future? Um, Actually, I think quite a lot are super optimistic about it. But what we always then drill it back to saying, we need to do scenarios. So, great, that's your super optimistic. What would it be if your revenue didn't, you know, you want to hire an extra person? Let's pretend the revenue doesn't go up. So you've just hired another person, the revenue hasn't gone up. But that actually means that you're not working 80 hours a week. Maybe that's still a great outcome. You've still got profit, you've got paid your wage as an owner, but you're not working 80 hours a week. Or what is that extra revenue as a a break-even that you're going to need for that extra person? So what is that going to mean mean in that situation yeah. yeah okay so it's sort of an expect the best plan for the worst exactly yeah exactly yeah. uh it's interesting also you talked about staggering payments so we're looking back to cash flow uh, and if you're a small business particularly and you're doing proposals uh, particularly if you're in the service industry and uh rather than having to just charge one fee and wait you know work six months and then get paid at the end of it is to come up with a almost a, a stagger payment so you have a commencement fee or, or a deposit and uh, then you've got sort of a, a midway payment and then a final thing and that then help little tips like that help mm. cash flow tremendously don't they and something like that also stops bad debtors uh, i know yeah. in my business yeah. i always get paid in advance mm. like so i don't chase debt i don't have time i don't have the inclination so they pay half up front to book me mm. and then half two weeks before that before i walk on stage yeah. And the other thing with that staggering payment from the client's perspective or the customer or the stakeholder, whatever term you choose to use, it's critical that they're not seeing one great big bill, that they actually, the final bill, like, actually, that's good value for money. So yeah. you're managing their perception as well. So it's, it's always a good tip. It's interesting you say that. We actually change the way in which we work in our firm from that perspective as well. We do, if we're doing a special project, we get the deposit up front because we're going to be working straight That's away it, yeah. on this on this exactly. job. But interesting on, if you are working with clients on an ongoing basis in a service industry, we're actually finding all our clients want to go on monthly. Mm. So yeah. we work out their fees for the year yeah. and starting 1st of July, each month, so it's 12 monthly payments. They get to the yeah. end of the year yeah. and they're all done. Yeah. And that's just balanced their cash flow for the year. Beautiful. Love I it. think that's a great point. No business owner really likes the big lumps. No, they don't like the big lumps. We all want to smooth cash flow mm. because it makes projections a whole lot easier. I think that's a really nice tip. Yes, we all have bills we have to pay uh, personally and also running, uh, running a small business. We're talking about is cash flow king for small business sitting here with our expert panel we are chewing the fat over lots of finance tips today uh, with Warwick Mary, Uva Jacobs and Shannon Smith. Now I want to as we're sort of coming to the end of our delightful entertaining educational finance chat. The, the financial free for all. Yep, financial free-for-all, it could be that. Uh, I'm really wanting to uh, get down down and dirty. So we've all got bills we've got to pay. Uh, we've talked about strategy and we've talked about what you should or shouldn't be doing and some trends that, from a tax perspective. It's all sort of it's interesting and it's, it's high level in a way. So I really want to get down and dirty and go, okay, we've got bills we've got to pay. 
what are some tips, what's some pearls of wisdom, some financial pearls of wisdom that's going to help a small business owner listening right now that they can actually implement almost immediately to help them improve their business? Shannon Smith. Well, my big one would be having a look at your break-even. What's it really costing you to open the doors each day um, to provide a service or to sell a product mm-hmm. so you can really understand the true cost to you and don't forget to pay yourself in that calculation. What would you pay? What, do you, what would you pay for someone to do your job? I love love that. That's a really really good tip. Now, Uva, I'm a bit nervous asking you this because I'm, you know, there's a three short sheets of toilet paper it's stuck in my head. It could be a four sheet theory it now. It could be a four sheet. Uh, and uh, but um, here we go. I'm a bit nervous, but I'm super excited at the same time. Uva, what's your pearl of wisdom? Well, my suggestion is, as a business owner, we need to know our numbers. We've talked about it a couple of times. We need to know, in my view, monthly your income versus your expenses. In accountant speak, we call that profit and loss. You need to know what do I owe versus what do I own. In accountant speak, we call that balance sheet. I suggest that you need to have a mechanism, we call it ICS, internal control system, that you run monthly, at least monthly, so that you know where did I come from, where am I at, And where the heck am I going? And that means I need to have a cash flow forecast as well. That was an absolute highlight when it finally got bashed into my brain that I didn't like the numbers, but it had to be done. As you said, Jackie, Mm. you make yourself do the best. Mm. There are things I don't like doing, but if I'm a business owner, if I'm in business, I must take responsibility for my business. And the numbers are part of that. Yeah. It's like having a business card. People go, oh, they don't need... Well, yeah, I think I think every business owner needs a business card. Mm. Oh, everything's digital. No, 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 it's not. No, you it's need to be And you need on. to know the numbers. It's yep. some basic, uh, basic principles of running a business. Yep. And if you don't take those on board, then you're making your life harder. It's not impossible, not saying that, but it's going to make more difficult. And you can't delegate the responsibility for that. You need need to be hands-on. You need to have a feel for where is my business at this moment Mm. and where am I heading. Yeah. And I would go one step further and say, if you're not prepared to do it, don't run a business. Mm. Just don't do it. Yeah, well, those scary numbers, you know, I think there's 60% Mm. of businesses fail in the first three years. I saw some stats on ABS stats recently uh, about uh, the last three years and it was particularly in food services and uh, hospitality and accommodation. And uh, in the last three years, 50% have failed, which means they say fail, but oh, they, they haven't survived. Mm. And look, That's I reckon some of them would be financial, but some of them would be energetic. They've put so much effort into yeah. it, they're exhausted. They're like, I just can't continue, even if it's profitable. That's half, only half survive. Yeah. That, and, oh, that's extraordinary. And a lot of that would be. And a lot of those people turn around after three or five years and say, what the heck did I do that for? Mm. I've worked like a madman or madwoman, mm. and what's my return? Yep. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, what about debt collecting? I just want to finish on that because that's another theme 
uh, a problem for small business. And I don't know if you've, you're probably all members of on Facebook. There's all these groups, business, 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 and small. I'm a small business owner in Victoria, and there's all sorts of groups, and people go on and ask questions. And it's quite a nice sort of venting platform. But I also just every now and then have a bit of a look to see what some of the key themes and key issues are and trends and stuff. And Debt collecting is always a common problem with it. So, Shannon, what would you suggest? Um, one thing I would be looking at, firstly, also then I guess it goes onto the legal side on your contract. Mm. What have you agreed and how have you got that locked in? But what I notice is those that yell louder get paid sooner. So if that means following up, now you may not have the time to follow up, so you may then value your time more and actually get someone to help you follow up. You may use technology. A lot of the accounting softwares have this auto invoice so the person's getting an invoice seven days after um, a reminder seven days after 14 days after 21 days and you've got a different email that's been tailored for each of them and you can tailor that for each of your different um, customers so that you know that one always pays 30 days we won't bug them until after 30 days so trying to use that technology so you're not the one doing that debt collecting there's so much technology out there available and those that yell louder do get paid quicker. Actually, that's a really good point. I think Westpac's just launched a new product called the Genie or something, which is similar. So if if, if the if the te- and they're auto- automated text messages, as you said, or emails, mm. and that's coming from a bank, then people might then pay a bit more attention than yeah. you, little micro small business trying to mm. trying to get money, and also st- staggering, you know getting a commencement fee or a deposit before you commence the work, having, if not a contract, if you're smaller, having a letter of agreement or some sort of – but something in writing. Just to give you some rights that yeah. if you have problems, you've yeah. got that – yeah, not having that big official contract, but yeah. something that you've agreed 10% now, yeah. you've agreed this on that date and you're not proceeding further until you get the different instalments. Yeah. I love what Shannon says. Yes, we need to contractually embed it, but also – I come back to the ICS, the internal control system. Do not allow yourself to let the debtors run up. That has to be part of my monthly review. And you've got to be on top of it every month. Mm. I have a bit of fun with it. I ring up and I go, I feel lonely. My bank account is missing your payment. (laughs) (laughs) So it doesn't have to be threatening. No. You can jovially get the message across I have delivered a service. Was there anything wrong with the service? No. Okay. Then I deserve to be paid. Mm. So do you do that on the phone? Like what, what's your process? Do you send a reminder, an email, and then it, you sort of after two it escalates to you actually ringing? Do you then turn up on their doorstep? Is there a process that you follow? Yes. I, I pick up the phone. Yeah. I go monthly through our control system. And as soon as there is an outstanding and overdue bill, I just ring up mm. and I keep it lighthearted. I try to. Mm. And by doing that, if you tell me, hey, look, Uwe, I have hit a bit of a bad spot. I can't pay this month. Can I delay for four weeks? No problems. Being in the know, we can take action. Yeah. But the worst thing is to sit out there as a person who has performed the service and not getting paid and not knowing why. Yeah. So I just pick up the phone, ring up and say, hey, Jackie, how is that 10 grand going that you're owing me? Yeah. I've actually got it here under the desk. In a, <laughs> oh, in a great. brown paper bag. Brown paper bag. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have it in a minute, thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's all right. No, we are joking. Uber and I just met today, so I, I haven't 
done any business with Uber. But I think I'd maybe like to. I've enjoyed our conversation today. He knows his stuff. I love his pearls of wisdom. I'd like to thank our guest today, Shannon Smith from Smart Business Solutions. Good to have you back in the studio. Thanks look, very much. I uh, look yeah. forward to hearing about your Singapore expansion. Uh, I think that sounds very smart. Well, you're smart business solutions. You can do smart things. It makes sense, doesn't it? Thanks for coming in. Uh, Uber Jacobs, delightful. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for making the effort to come into Taking Care of Business. And, of course, my good buddy, Warwick Mary. Always a pleasure to uh, yeah, come on in and add some dulcet tones. Yeah, no, I like, I like having you. I always feel a bit sort of comfortable when you're here. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and you've learned something new and you feel inspired. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page uh, for more information and podcasts will be on the website. We look forward to your company next Friday at 11am. In the meantime, keep taking care of your business. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and we hope you can get more success.